Listen, folks, because this might surprise you. But anti-government protests in communist China are even more commonplace than they are in democratic America. And if that seems too oxymoronic to comprehend, just bear in mind that capitalism thrives in China every bit as much these days as it does in America, which must have Karl Marx, author of Das Kapital and the Communist Manifesto, rolling over in his grave. I share that to make clear from the outset that reports of the protests now raging across China, portending the demise of President Xi Jinping's regime, are greatly exaggerated. These protests against his zero-COVID restrictions feature young people in major cities like Beijing, Nanjing, and Shanghai, taking to the streets, risking life, limb, and, at the very least, imprisonment. Because they are not only breaking the law by protesting, but committing treason by shouting slogans like Xi Jinping, step down! No to COVID tests, yes to freedom! And freedom of speech, democracy now! Of course, given the lives of lockdown desperation they've been living for nearly three years now, their defiant and restive frustration is understandable. But it might help to recall the keynote address Xi delivered at the Chinese Communist Party's National Congress just weeks ago, because he vowed to continue these zero-COVID restrictions with as much conviction as he vowed to reunify Taiwan with the mainland. This means that Xi's presidency for life now depends on quelling these protests by any means necessary, and it behooves these anti-COVID protesters to appreciate that. But a little perspective seems in order. After all, his propaganda and censorship are such that most Chinese probably have no clue about these protests. Nothing betrays this, quite like the BBC quoting a protester in Shanghai, saying he was shocked but excited because he had never seen such venting of dissent in China. <laughs> no doubt for most of us. The pro-democracy protests in 1989, which ended with the massacre of thousands in Tiananmen Square, come immediately to mind. But he probably never saw that venting of dissent, because it happened before he was born. Moreover, Chinese leaders have deemed it an article of existential faith to purge any information related to the Tiananmen Square protests. So it's equally likely 
that this man reflects their success in erasing those protests from public consciousness. Which brings me to the Faustian bargain they struck with the Chinese people. It was a promise of unparalleled economic growth in exchange for totalitarian political power. And most Chinese have kept their end of that bargain, especially in the major cities, where the authorities fulfilled that promise beyond their wildest dreams. In fact, there is no denying the marvel of China lifting more people out of poverty since Tiananmen Square than the number of people who compose the entire population of the United States. The problem is that this growth still left behind more Chinese mired in poverty than twice the number of people who compose the entire population of the United States. And, apropos of the commonplace nature of protests I referenced earlier, those left behind, mostly in the countryside, have been protesting every day over everything, from food shortages to political corruption. As it happens, I wrote about the abiding defiance and restiveness of these hundreds of millions of peasant farmers living lives of isolated desperation in Gap Between Rich and Poor in China is sowing seeds of resentment and terminal unrest on December 22, 2005. It includes the following which applies as much to their perennial protests as it does to those of the city dwellers, now protesting too. It is certainly ironic that the great proletarian revolution, which Karl Marx predicted for capitalist societies, is actually simmering in communist China, because as urban sprawl supplants the countryside and further alienates peasant farmers who have seen only hardship from this economic boom, the tensions between haves and have-nots will cause China to implode. One can get a sense of the powder keg potential these tensions pose from reports by China's own Ministry of Propaganda which confirmed earlier this year that the number of riots has risen sharply, reaching to more than 70,000 in 2004, and developing into a major concern for the government. End quote. But these riots occur in relative oblivion, out in the countryside, and that, coupled with propaganda and censorship, explains why city dwellers, like that man the BBC quoted, have never seen such venting of dissent in China. Even more on point, though, I presage these zero-Covid protests in Jasmine Revolution Simmering in China on January 19, 2012. That was when, despite their relative wealth, young people in China protested in solidarity 
with young people protesting across the Middle East, demanding democratic freedoms in what we wistfully call the Arab Spring. Meanwhile, the fateful irony is that, in staking his presidency on continuing his zero-COVID restrictions, Xi is not only driving young people stir-crazy, but diminishing their wealth to boot. In fact, serial lockdowns are causing such economic hardship and political malaise. City dwellers have just cause to accuse him of reneging on that Faustian bargain. And to support their accusation, they need only cite the fact that Chinese leaders promised annual growth of above 10%, but are now delivering growth below 5 But lest you think these protests won't affect you, slave labourers at Apple's iPhone factory are protesting too. And their bosses warn, this could delay delivery of over 6 million iPhones for the Christmas holiday. And what would Christmas be without a needless iPhone under the tree? <laughs> of course, this is just another reason for American companies like Apple to lead Western countries in decoupling their economies from China's. That said, the economic impact is not even the worst of it, because we've all experienced these COVID restrictions. And we know that, in many ways, the emotional and psychological impacts of lockdowns are even more unbearable. Which explains why even the preternaturally compliant Chinese have finally snapped. For a little perspective, consider that our American version of lockdown was like being locked up in a club-fed prison, compared with the Chinese version, which is like being locked up in a maximum security prison. What's more, most of us only had to spend about a year in our relatively relaxed lockdown, whereas the Chinese have been in near solitary confinement for almost three years, with no end in sight. Mind you, it would be one thing if these imprisoned Chinese had no problem getting basic necessities. But reports abound about their lockdown leaving them in such dire straits. They're having trouble getting everything from food to medications and even tampons. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're having to watch the rest of the world return to normal. And... You have to think nothing through this into more restive relief than watching tens of thousands gather in stadiums across Qatar to enjoy the World Cup. Even so, the spark that caused so many city dwellers to break out and join street protests 
were viral videos showing 10 people burning to death a week ago today in a high-rise. This allegedly happened because strict adherence to zero COVID restrictions meant not only that they were locked in their building and unable to escape, but that firefighters were delayed in even attempting to put out the flames. In other words, imagine the psychological impact of realizing that your government is so committed to keeping you in COVID lockdown that it would allow you to burn to death. I've seen many prison uprisings and millions of Chinese breaking out of COVID prison could be the mother of them all. But I think state police will convince these protesters to come to their senses and return to their maximum security prison in due course. By contrast, if we had to spend just two years, even in our club-fed version of lockdown here in America, people would have been rioting like it's 1969. Uh, granted, 67 and 68 were more restive. But seriously, to support my point, I need only cite the epidemic of people who were assaulting flight attendants just for telling them to wear masks during flights. Mind you, for guidance, Xi could look to his totalitarian brother, the Ayatollah of Iran, because he is not only dealing with similar protests today, but can reassure Xi by noting that he survived similar protests in 2009 after the notorious killing of Neda. This is why the Ayatollah probably has no fear of surviving these protests, which erupted after the killing of Masha Amini in similar fashion. Ultimately, though, Xi might rest most assured knowing that Chinese leaders did what was necessary to survive those pro-democracy protests in Tiananmen Square, including effectively whitewashing it from their history. In fact, Chinese leaders are on record declaring that massacre a vaccination against all future political protests. Yet the irony of ironies is that Xi's rabid nationalism is such that he'd rather ruin China's economy and incite protests than accept Western vaccines, which would render his zero COVID restrictions unnecessary. In this sense, his North Star might be the President Mao Zedong set, when he doggedly allowed an estimated 30 million Chinese to die of starvation in a vain attempt to prove collectivized farming would ensure China's great leap forward into a communist paradise. Apropos of which, the World Health Organization estimates 
that 30,000 people in China have died of COVID to date, which admittedly compares favorably with its estimate that one million people have died in America. The foreboding point, though, is that, given the bar Mao set with 30 million, Xi might see the killing of 3 million protesters as no big deal, if that is what it takes to enforce compliance with his ill-fated zero-COVID restrictions. Not to mention that he has been unabashed in fashioning himself the second coming of Mao. <laughs> of course, in doing so, he has made a mockery of Western leaders who initially hailed him, the way Margaret Thatcher famously hailed Mikhail Gorbachev, namely, as a man we can do business with. <laughs> but before emulating Mao in that respect, I suspect Xi will use some artificial or medical reason, like a knockoff Western vaccine that actually works, to modify his restrictions to keep these simmering protests from boiling over. And yes, gaslighting is Webster's word of the year primarily because Russia and China are continually trying to convince not just their own people, respectively, but everyone of all kinds of big lies. That explains Chinese authorities now confiscating smartphones to erase any reference to these anti-COVID protests, because just like the pro-democracy protests in Tiananmen Square, they are hell-bent on trying to erase these protests from public consciousness, too. And no doubt it helps if they were never in people's consciousness. Because I cannot overstate that propaganda and censorship prevail so much in China we could see 100 million Chinese protesting on TV, and yet one billion people living there could have no clue. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.